if we do take the Bible seriously, we have to take these media of God's voice seriously as well, because scripture presents to us a God who speaks, not merely a God who once spoke. You are listening to The Dwellings Podcast. On this podcast, we will share stories that will inspire you on your journey with Jesus and help you cultivate kingdom community right where you are. This is Season 1, Hearing God's Voice. Well, I'm excited, David, to have you on during this Hearing God series because really it's the way that you and I met in the very beginning. It's such a crazy story, but um, we met primarily because of a a nudge from the spirit um, that I had at a gas station in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, It's the craziest story where um, I was heading back from a trip there to see some friends, was at a gas station, and this was a very unusual moment for me. So I want to highlight that um, in that I stopped and prayed and said, Lord, how do you want to fill this trip back home. And I felt a real sense that I needed to learn more about the presence of God. And I Googled that term, the presence of God, and up came a podcast by David Legg. And I'd never heard of you. You were from uh, across the world in Northern Ireland. And so I just, you know, went for it and listened to your podcast all the way home a series on the presence of God. And I learned so much and immediately there was a connection. I was growing a lot in what it meant to pursue the Lord in both truth and spirit. I was on a journey trying to, to learn more about that. And that's exactly what I heard in your teaching was emerging of those two things. Um, what it means to listen to the spirit, to follow the spirit, but also be completely committed to learning the word um, marinating in the word and some merging of the two just really came to the forefront as I was listening to your teaching. So I'm super excited today because we're, we're going to be talking about hearing God through scripture and how the spirit helps us do that. And I just think it's appropriate for you to be on here because that's really where I learned that um, in the very beginning. And that was all because of, uh, of a nudge from the spirit. What, what did you think in that moment when, um, you heard that story for the first time about how I came upon your podcast? Well, I mean, it, it, it still, when I hear it, it never ceases to bless me and amaze me. Um, I mean, we don't have a huge team or ministry as such over here. It's just really me preaching stuff and another guy called Andrew putting it on the internet and so it just we keep getting these surprises about people who hear the messages and get blessed and so on but what was different about um i suppose what happened with you was just how god had you almost on a similar trajectory around word and spirit and what i was journeying through in my teaching and experience you were also and the movement that you're involved in um and then how our paths continued then to converge over the next number of years it's just been incredible and it it has to be god has to be god well thanks for being on and let's just jump right in 
I, I'm excited to talk to you about hearing God through scripture and, and wanted to just ask the question first, um, how, you know, there's so many people that think that when we talk about hearing God's voice, that somehow we're diminishing the importance of scripture or the foundation of scripture. Uh, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, really, that that is one of the major objections to even language that we've already been using on this podcast about hearing the voice of God. And what exactly is the word of God? And is the Bible sufficient? Um, and when we talk about God still speaking today, when we believe the canon of scripture has already been closed, does that somehow diminish the importance of scripture in, in the life of the Christian? Um, and, and there's no doubt about it. I want to be absolutely clear that we, we ought not to in any way diminish the value of scripture and let, let the Bible speak itself. I mean, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God, literally means God breathed, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So generally speaking, what those two verses are telling us is that all we need to know is here within this book. Um, doesn't mean we've experienced it all, but all we need to know is contained everything to equip us for a godly life and knowing God is there. Now, obviously, we have to apply all that um, by faith and by obedience, but we ignore the scripture at our peril. You know, it, it is the word of God. And we as Christians believe in the infallibility of the Bible. That simply means that it doesn't fail. It's complete. It's God's perfect word. Um, and to use some kind of theological terms, we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Now, those two terms simply mean every word is God breathed. Um, now, that's of the original manuscripts, um, which we don't have anymore. But we believe in the copies of those original manuscripts, which we have thousands and thousands of. We have got the the weight of what God has said. But when we say plenary verbal inspiration, we're, we're really meaning that it's not just the thoughts that God communicates in the Bible that are inspired, it's the actual words. Um, and that's really important. And there's a lot of confusion around that. We're not saying all the copies are inspired because some of them disagree in little places, not fundamental issues. And we're certainly not saying that the translations that we have in English or any other language that they're inspired as such, their translations, works of men. But we're saying that the original scriptures were perfect, infallible, and every word of them was God-breathed. One thing we have to be very careful of is today, uh, when we advocate the importance of the Bible, some people really think that their interpretation of the Bible is infallible or God-inspired. That is not the case at all. We're continuing to learn. But what we're absolutely saying, even though we're talking about hearing the voice of God today, is we need to take the Bible seriously. Um, Jesus is the logos of God. He is the incarnate word of God. And he was made flesh. And the thoughts and the minds of God's heart were embodied in Jesus. And some people have described this logos, the Bible, as Jesus in print. Um, 
And so Psalm 119.89 in the Amplified Version says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. In other words, it stands firm as the heavens do. Psalm 138, verse 2, the Amplified Version says, You have magnified your word together with your name. That's incredible. God has put his word on a par at the same rank with his holy name. And Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. And Hebrews talks about how powerful God's word is. Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is a living book and uh, it's literally alive. There used to be a preacher many, many years ago in Belfast who preached in the open air and uh, he would have his hat on the ground on the pavement and he would be jumping around this hat shouting, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. And then he would lift his hat and there was a Bible underneath. Um, the Bible is a living book. It's God breathed. And we want to say categorically, it's the final rule of our Christian faith and practice. And canon, actually, the canon of scripture, canon is derived from a Greek word, which means ruler or measuring rod. And so let's put scripture very, very high um, and, and, and understand how important it is. I think, to be honest with you, um, many circles that talk about hearing the voice of God have grown weak um, with the word of God and their emphasis on it. Um, I don't know how many will concur with that, but that's my experience. And we need to be very careful because we were warned in Scripture in 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5 in the message. I like this. You're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but will fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you Keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a third job as God's servant. So that's what we believe about Scripture. It's very important. It's foundational in our faith and practice. That's so good. And as we've talked about the four ways that we hear from God often, we that's why we start with Scripture, because if we're thinking that we're hearing something and it contradicts the word of God in any way, we can, we can stop there and say, you know, we're not, we're not hearing right. He's never going to contradict the word. Um, but that's interesting what you were saying about some circles growing weak in their knowledge of scripture. Um, also, I'm wondering if you could speak to uh, once we are drawn to scripture and we know the scripture does the scripture itself inform us of any other ways that God speaks? It feels like it's it's a bit circular. So once we're drawn to the scriptures and we know scripture, that can inform our theology of how we hear God's voice, right? Can you speak to that? Yes, and, and that's the remarkable thing that the Bible is the book that teaches us that God speaks to people in various ways apart from the written scripture. Um, now, that's not to say that God speaks in other ways with the same authority that he does in scripture. And that's often the mistake that yeah. people make. They have a very 
binary view. God either speaks, and that's the scripture, or he doesn't speak any other way. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is God does speak in other ways, and that must remain subject to the authority of scripture. But the Bible tells us, particularly stories about people, men and women, who had visions, they had dreams, they heard God audibly, they heard God in a still small voice, and God directed them through supernatural means, sometimes through angels bringing messages, sometimes through men and women bringing spoken words of prophecy. We even have animals and nature Mm -hmm. speaking God's word to people. So then when we go into the New Testament, we've got these grace abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to the church. They're called gifts of the Spirit, and they often are a means of receiving revelation from God. So if we do take the Bible seriously, we have to take these media of God's voice seriously as well, because Scripture presents to us a God who speaks, Mm -hmm. not merely a God who once spoke. And it was Francis Schaeffer who famously said, God is the God who is and is not silent. Now, let me reiterate. We're not talking about anything that's on a par with scripture. Uh, when we talk like that, we, we get into the area of Joseph Smith and the cults when we stray into that ground. We're not saying that we need blank pages at the back of the book to write in new revelations from God that are equal to um, the Bible. And, 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 and I add that we therefore must take care in the language that we use about how God speaks to us. Um, And especially when we're sharing it with other people, we need to look at our own motivation and the spirit in which we speak. You know, so when people talk about thus saith the Lord, (laughs) when they Mm -hmm. give words from God or word from prophecy, that's really ill-advised, I think. Uh, Also, we need to be careful we don't have controlling motives or trying to direct other people. But just in the way in this podcast already, we've established the unique place that scripture has in Christianity. We all also need to establish the truth that God is still speaking today. God has something to say for us now. And Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Yeah. So there's been a word that you've brought up several times with some people in our community that is a new word for many of us. And that is the word Rhema, which brings together that initial thing that attracted me to your teaching spirit and truth. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what the word Rhema means and how that applies to how we hear God through scripture? Sure. It might be good before I do that to give a bit of a warning around The Greek word logos speaks to us, as we've said, about the incarnate word, Jesus in flesh, but also the objective written word of scripture. But there's this alternative word, rhema, um, and it really is the spoken preceding word of God. We might say prophetic word of God. But many in Christianity have fallen into the mistake of what we might call bibliolatry. You've heard of the word idolatry and bibliolatry is just the Bible and idolatry stuck together where we we actually worship, it would seem, a book some have coined 
um, the, the, the statement that we worship very often, the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Scripture, rather than Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, the Pharisees, in essence, were a back to the Bible movement. A lot of people don't realize that. I mean, Jesus actually commended them for what they taught, not how they applied Scripture, but Jesus said they sit in Moses' seat. In other words, they're teaching the Torah, first five books of the Bible and the law, um, and he says, uh, "Do what they teach, not what they say, not what they do," because they were hypocritical in how they applied it. But Jesus was commending them for their stand for Scripture, and we find Paul actually did that as well. So the Pharisees were like a back to the Bible movement because Judaism had become liberal. The Sadducees, who were another Jewish sect, they didn't believe in um, spirit. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels and demons or the resurrection. And so the Pharisees and the scribes were coming in and saying, we need to get back to scripture and the truth of what God's word says. But the problem was, it was the law without the spirit. And uh, they knew their Bibles inside out, but they didn't recognize the logos of God in flesh when he showed up. They knew God's word, but they didn't know God when he came face to face with them. And in fact, Jesus said in John 5, 39, you pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. This book is all about me, that you spend every day analyzing every every dot and every stroke, and you've missed me, and I'm the subject of this book. And this is what, and we need to be very careful here, this is what any religion does that emphasizes law or holy scripture um, over and above the Holy Spirit's movement in our lives. And Jesus actually rebuked the scribes and Pharisees for, he said, you're binding heavy, unbearable burdens upon people and you're shutting the door of the kingdom of God in people's faces. You don't go in, but you won't allow anyone else to enter in. And so that's what legalism does. And it results whenever the word of God is used without the spirit of God. And we end up, and please mark what I'm about to say, we end up worshiping history mm. rather than pursuing a living and current relationship with God. There's an old hymn um, called Break Thou the Bread of Life, Dear Lord, to me. I don't know whether you know it or not, but one of the lines goes, Beyond the sacred page, I seek thee, Lord. My spirit pants for thee, the living word. And that's really what we need to look at scripture as. We've, we've lifted it high today and said it's God-breathed. Every word of the original is. But we need to be aware of Bibleology, where we worship this book and don't have a living personal relationship with the spirit day by day. And that's where the rhema comes in, because that's when God is actually speaking to us moment by moment. And, and Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the word, the English word we have word for behind it is the Greek word rhema, whereas in John 1, verse 1, it's in the beginning was the word, the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. But here when Jesus says, our daily bread is every word that God speaks to us, he uses this word rhema which is the proceeding, not Christ as such, not the scriptures, but God speaking specifically to a particular people at a time on an occasion. Now, 
a logos can become a rhema. What I mean is, you know, we could be reading this book and God speaks specifically to us out of a verse or out of a chapter. So that can happen. And that's why it's important to emphasize computing, input, output. You know, the more of God's word you put into your life, the more potential there is for the Holy Spirit to take those things and apply them to your life. Meditation as well. I mean, if, if you practice that, I'm not talking about sitting in the lotus position and humming. That's not biblical meditation. Mm -hmm. Biblical meditation is taking God's word and chewing the cud, as we would say, and mulling over it. If you do that, God will also speak to you his rhema word. You'll hear his voice to your heart. Do you want me to give you some scriptures that talk about rhema word? Would that be a, a good thing to do? Yes, yes. Spell them out. Okay. Well, one of the most famous ones, which I'd say it's famous, but a lot of people miss this one, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So that's the armor of God, Ephesians 6, verse 17. And a lot of people just assume, well, that's the Bible. You know, you throw the Bible at the devil or you throw the Bible at your temptations. Um, but actually, it's it's more specific than that. Um, I always thought of the word of God as being like a brave heart sword. You know, one of those big mm -hmm. heavy and scripture talks about it being a double-edged sword, but it's not what's spoken of here in Ephesians 6, 17. Actually, what Paul had in mind was a short cut and thrust dagger, which a legionary would have had an armory of. In other words, he would have had different types of, of these weapons for different jobs. We'll not get too gruesome, but it's a bit like a tool, you know, for a tradesperson. You you pick a specific one for a particular job. But what it says here is that this is the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who chooses what weapon that you ought to use. So the idea is that a, a legionary, a warrior would have had an armor bearer and he would have said, you're going into such and such a battle. You need this particular sword. Or to make it more benign, if you think of a golf caddy, he picks a particular club for a given shot. So the Holy Spirit gives us a word, and it might well be probably out of the Bible, out of the Logos, but it becomes a rhema to us that is spoken. Now, Jesus' temptation is a case in point on this. Jesus said, man shall not live by um, bread alone, but by every rhema. And actually, in that moment, he was being tempted to turn stones to bread. He had two further temptations, you remember, and every one of those temptations, he answered by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. And all three quotations from the Bible that Jesus quoted was from the book of Deuteronomy. He memorized a lot of Deuteronomy as a good Jewish boy. But what I want you to understand is that the Holy Spirit pulled out of Deuteronomy the verses that were applicable for that temptation battle that Jesus found himself in. And that's what Jesus meant when he said the rhema of God. That's what Paul meant when he said this is the sword of the spirit. So when you're facing temptation or trial, it's not about just quoting scripture at Satan or your flesh. But it's actually about waiting on the Holy Spirit for a word that you need like a key to unlock your situation. And this is interesting because Romans 10, 17 also says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody assumes it's talking about the Bible, but actually the word for word of God there is rhema. It doesn't say faith comes by the word of God either. It says faith comes by hearing 
and hearing the rhema of God. In other words, hearing the spoken word that God is speaking to you right now. That creates faith in you. And an example of that is Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. The King James Version says, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the word for word is rhema. And she's hearing from the angel, you're, you're going to conceive a child. The one that will be born of you is the son of God. And Mary's saying, I don't even have relations sexually with a man. How's this going to be? But she submits to the rhema word, the spoken word of God. And she says, be it unto me according to your rhema. That's really what we need to hear. We need to hear God speaking to us in our circumstances and submit to us. We hope that you're enjoying this episode so far. If you're finding this conversation helpful, we want you to know that we have a dedicated app full of resources and opportunities to connect with people around the world who want to see God's kingdom expand right where they are. It's through the generosity of people just like you that we're able to offer everything for free. If you would like to begin partnering with us through a one-time gift or a recurring gift, you can do so at dwellings.info slash give, or simply click the link in the podcast show notes. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get back to the conversation. So for all of us, just ordinary people that aren't pastors that are out with normal jobs, normal families, um, how would you say we could approach scripture differently in order to receive this, you know, rhema word of God and not just, as you said, worship the scriptures as if we're reading, um, we're worshiping history or worshiping, um, intellectualism or study. Like how do we begin to seek the voice of God through scripture? Well, the way it looks for me is, um, I read my, my Bible but I'm reading my Bible, listening behind the page for the voice of God. And whenever a verse speaks personally to me, and, and this is not law, by the way, this is just how I do it. Whenever a verse or phrase speaks to me, I pause. I don't feel the obligation to necessarily finish the chapter or the designated chapters for the day. I probably will at some stage, but. Um, I don't feel pressure to do that. I want to actually, because there's life off that rhema word. There's life off it. And why would I decide to discard that and then move on to something else when God is God is putting the brakes on my life at that moment and he's speaking to me? And then what I'll do, and I've found this a very helpful practice, I journal. I don't necessarily journal every day, but I journal whenever God I feel God's speaking to me. And I've found this, it's very simple, but extremely helpful. I will rewrite that scripture, but changing the person to me, to be spoken to me. So it might look like, David, I will do this for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I will hear the voice of God very specifically to me through those scriptures. And I know we have to take scripture in context. I'm not talking about applying things to your life that don't apply to us and all the rest. And we need to be careful about that. But I'm talking about these more benign words, these more general words that are of encouragement, exhortation and comfort, prophetic scripture to our hearts. So I will write it out, David, you this, that, the other, I will do this for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Then I will pray that back to God. And I will say, thank you, Lord, that you have promised to do this for me. Thank you, Lord, that you're saying that I'm secure and I'm whatever, whatever he's, he's communicating to me or into a specific situation in my life. He might be giving me some instruction or some insight um, or strategy. And very quickly, that forms um, a, a, a structure of communion that's organic. It's not um, religiously ritualistic. It's not empty. It's full of life. It's full of the word of God. But I am hearing the voice of God. And very often I will write that down either on my phone or on a piece of paper. And I take it through the day with me and, and glance at that word. And there's something about when I make it personal like that, it, it feeds my soul. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. You'll not live by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks to you. Wow. Well, I just want to thank you, David, because I know um, just from being around you um, that your years of study of scripture, just they do just come out in your life and in your speech. But I'm also really thankful for the words you shared with us today and that I've seen in your life over the years. Um, you're not content to just study it um, and not have the spirit's life be undergirding all of that study. And so I thank you so much for just sharing, sharing this with us today, how we can bring those two together, how we can be seeking the rhema word of God. And could you just pray for us here at the end that we could all seek scripture in this way, begin to relate to God and hear from God um, with more power in our lives? Yeah, sure. Father, we just thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, the Christ into the world, and he is your word, your logos, the expression of your mind and heart. What you want us to know is found in Jesus, and the revelation of who the Father is, is found in him. And we thank you for this precious holy book that you breathed so that we would have as a record of his life, ministry on earth, and also containing the promises of your heart to our lives that equip us for everything that we need to do. But we also know that the law without the spirit brings death and we don't want to make the mistake of the Pharisees. We don't want to be modern. But we want to actually know the power of this life and the power of this word. And we want to have a day by day relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the spirit. So we pray, Lord, just as Jesus said, let those who have ears to hear, hear. Lord, give us ears to hear. Just as Jesus said, Lord, would you press your word deep down into our heart? What an expression. Your word going into our ears and deep down into our heart. Would you tune our senses to discern when you're speaking to us? Mm -hmm. And to know when it's the enemy and to know when it's our own flesh or just our own um, selfish desires and dreams. But Lord, help us to know because you've promised that we will hear your voice in order to follow you. So I pray for everyone listening, Lord. Um, I pray that as they embark maybe in a very simple way to read the scriptures, but with their spiritual ears, eyes, and senses open, that they will be surprised by how quickly they tune in to your thoughts, which are innumerable, like the stars of the sky or the sand grains of the seashore, 
your thoughts are without number toward us. And may we start picking them up now, Lord, to build us up in faith and to overflow to others for their benefit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.